Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Monday, June 21st. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. A Catholic order of priests with ties to St. Louis University is reckoning with its history of enslaving black people. A new foundation created by the Jesuits and descendants of slaves is committing millions of dollars toward racial healing, but some descendants say they want more input. Because the damage that was done to our ancestors, which took a generational toll to this day, was multifaceted. St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson will have that story in just a few minutes. St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones is among 11 U.S. mayors pledging to pay reparations for slavery to a small group of black residents in their cities. Once they identify funding, the mayors say they will develop and implement programs to pay reparations to a cohort of black residents. Jones says, quote, black Americans do not need another study that sits on a shelf they need decisive action. The mayors say the goal is to set an example for the federal government on how a nationwide initiative could operate. As the pandemic wanes in the St. Louis area, courts are having more in-person proceedings. But as St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman reports, there will still be virtual options for many defendants. Earlier this month, the Missouri Supreme Court gave presiding judges more control over the details of conducting court business based on local pandemic conditions. Some courts went in person immediately, but others are still allowing virtual proceedings in many cases. Michael Stelzer is the presiding judge in St. Louis. He says using video conferencing for things like status hearings or bond setting is easier and safer for everyone. We're trying to get back to in person as soon as we can, but we don't want to do it in a way that's going to create safety issues or cause some sort of an outbreak. Stelzer is relying on individual judges to decide when to use virtual options. In St. Louis County, Judge Michael Burton has set dates for when different kinds of cases will resume in person. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Illinois' primary election is moving from March to June next year. Governor J.B. Pritzker has signed the plan, which is part of legislation, to expand voter access. The new law also makes voting by mail permanent, allows jail inmates awaiting trial to cast ballots, and makes Election Day in November a state holiday. The new law takes effect immediately. The Illinois General Assembly has approved a proposal to allow sex workers to get some old criminal charges against them expunged. Derek Cantu has more. Illinois lawmakers decreased sex work charges from a felony to a Class A misdemeanor in 2013. Any move to totally decriminalize prostitution in Illinois is likely a long way off. But Louisiana State Representative Mandy Landry tried to do just that in her state this spring. Landry, a Democrat from New Orleans, says even though her city doesn't prioritize arresting sex workers, other Louisiana parishes still conduct prostitution stings. Even though it's just a misdemeanor, it's still like you still get into the system. You still have to pay a lawyer. You still have something on your record. There's still, you know, risk of arrest. So this would just remove the penalties and remove things like stings. But Landry's proposal failed to advance out of committee last month. I'm Derek Cantu. A $1 million federal grant will help Webster University address the mental health needs of immigrants and people in underserved communities. 
The university is partnering with the St. Louis County Department of Public Health and a number of community health organizations. Webster University Associate Professor Dr. Muthoni Musangali is leading the project. She says in addition to language, for many people, a lack of access to transportation can be a barrier. You have to make arrangements to leave your home, find somebody to watch your kid, to go find a counselor and then catch the bus. And maybe that's a two-hour journey one way or the other. And in the process, you're going to have to disclose to people what you're doing. So that makes people not go. The university will be working with Casa de Salud and the St. Patrick Center, among other community organizations. Nearly two centuries ago, enslaved people were forced to work at St. Louis University. SLU revealed that hard truth in 2016. A Catholic order of priests known as the Jesuits was responsible and owned enslaved people throughout North America. In March, the Jesuits and a group of Georgetown University descendants announced a new foundation with a plan for racial healing. But as St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson reports, some St. Louis descendants say their voices were not heard. Rashonda Alexander refers to herself as a cradle Catholic. She was raised Catholic, went to Catholic schools, and was married in the church. But last year, she learned two of her ancestors were owned by Jesuits at St. Louis University. My mind was completely just blown all the way open, mind-blown emoji. Jack and Sally Queen were forced to come to Missouri from a plantation in Maryland in 1829. That's the same year the Jesuits assumed responsibility over the college that would become SLU. That's also where Alexander got her degree. And then years later, over 100 years later, their descendant is literally paying to go to the institution that they were made to build for free. So when the Jesuits announced they were committing $100 million to the Descendants Truth and Reconciliation Foundation, Alexander was glad to see them put their money where their mouth is. The Jesuits have already given $15 million to the foundation and plan to raise the rest of the money through fundraising. It's been the works since 2016. The idea came from Joe Stewart, a descendant of an enslaved person owned by Jesuits in Maryland. He's now the foundation's acting president. At a panel discussion in April, he said it's time to look forward. To put in place a mechanism, institutionalize a response that attacks the legacy of slavery and dismantle that legacy that continues to manifest itself. The foundation is putting half the money towards racial healing. The other half will fund educational scholarships and grants and support the elderly and sick. Individual checks are not included. Robin Prouty is one of many descendants who was frustrated at not even having a say in how the money would be used. And that deal is an abomination to what our ancestors gave up. Their birthright was taken away from them. And that's how I feel. All money is not good money. Prouty got a letter in 2019 from researchers at St. Louis University that she was a descendant of Henry Anna Mills, a woman owned by the Jesuits. Prouty says for real atonement to happen, the foundation needs a restorative justice plan. Because the damage that was done to our ancestors, which took a generational toll to this day, was multifaceted. So it it, it can't be one size fit all. But Stewart, the foundation's acting president, says he does not expect every descendant to agree with the process. 
We can stand around and argue for another 200 years or we can act. And that's all we have done. We have acted and we tried to take a different pathway from the confrontation and arguing to see if we can get someplace. And at this point, we have, we have started to move someplace we've never been. Atonement needs to be at the forefront, according to Reverend Dr. Iva Carruthers, who's been doing reparations work within churches for decades. Carruthers says the faith community needs to lead the conversation about reparations and understand that justice should be at the center of financial transactions. It has to, I think, allow for those transactions to really reflect atonement, contrition, and a covenant of non-repeat. And what that means is don't do what you were going to do anyway and call it reparation. For descendant Rashonda Alexander, the foundation is a good first step. But she wants it to do more to economically empower descendants for the long term. Let's just not affect a generation and say, we did it. We helped you guys right now in 2021. No, no, no. Because my family and other families and other families and other families have helped you for hundreds of years amass this fortune. Despite that, Alexander says learning about her family's history has not shaken her faith. She says she's proud the Catholic Church is working toward atonement. I'm Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Maria Altman edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.